Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. And now it's time for this. very easy part of the show. All you have to do is exercise your muscles, you know, trying to figure out when someone is spoofing you and lying to you. So if you're able to figure out when someone is deceiving you, you win. It's very, very easy. Yeah, it's very easy. Usually I'm pretty bad at this game, but the last few that we had, I think I was all right, apart from the fact that I thought Gavin James had a third nipple, which he doesn't. Uh, No, no. (laughs) He definitely doesn't. That'll be hitting the headlines now, you know. Um, but unfortunately, he doesn't. So uh, joining us this evening is someone who was in the Irish band Hometown. He also represented the country at the Eurovision and was a contestant on X Factor recently. We're delighted to welcome to the show this evening the wonderful Mr. Brendan Murray. Brendan, how are you, sir? How's it going, guys? I'm good. And yourselves? Yeah, we're not doing too bad. Now, I know you were um, over stateside for a while, but um, you're back home in Galway. Yeah, I'm back home now. I'm back home about three months. So, uh, yeah, just enjoying the time off. Uh, not doing too much. Uh, yeah, just taking it handy. <laughs> I mean, that literally, it's it's the worst thing about coronavirus is you've done so little that small talk is now probably the biggest challenge of the day. It's like, I've literally <laughs> done nothing. Yeah, Can't do I've a thing. I've nothing else to talk to you about. Like, that's, that's it. Like, <laughs> yeah, so that's it. All right. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Brandon. Yeah, Cheers. See you now. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> 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 yeah. what, are, what were you doing over in the States before um, the world stopped? Yeah, so I was just, um, I basically just wanted to go traveling and go gigging at the same time. So, um, yeah, I was with um, I was with the cruise company for a while and um, I was entertaining guests for seven months. That was my, uh, that's what I was doing, yeah. So, um, no, it was a great experience. I was with the band and we uh, got to travel around the US and Mexico. So I uh, had a great time, yeah. Had a great time. Yeah, like um, cruise ships were probably the worst place to be during the whole coronavirus outbreak? Yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, the last, I think the last eight weeks, we, uh, I was mad to get home, and then this on top of it, then we, we didn't know if we would get home then. So it was, uh, it was a, bit, a bit of a tricky one. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. But listen, I'm glad to hear you're all well and healthy and back on, on home soil. Happy days. Um, what, 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 what was the story with... Uh, I always, this is mad, right? The X Factor. What secrets yeah. can you give us about what the show? Do- that well, they don't want us knowing about. Is Simon Cowell a robot? <laughs> Does he, he lives in a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> he sleeps in a coffin, doesn't he? My God. Sleeps in a coffin, yeah. Uh, I mean, much secrets. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what, what would you like to know? <laughs> is he really uh, as evil as people make him out to be, or is he actually quite nice? 
Uh, he's actually he's actually a man of very few words in person. Like I mean, I think I've uh, throughout the competition I only met him twice. I met him the day I auditioned and the night I got knocked out of the show. They were the only two times I talked to him in person. Um, but yeah, he's kind of he's, um, he only really talks when he's on camera, really. He wouldn't have to really, would he? No, yeah, not really. Not really, not really, no. Um, you, were you put into, so I, you know, I, I'm not even familiar with the, the series that you were on, but I know obviously they keep kind of categorising people and grouping people. So what kind of group or judge were you under? Um, yeah, so Louis Tomlinson was my, uh, he was my mentor of the whole thing, yeah. So, well, um, that was, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that but is cool. How much, how much contact do they, because uh, you hear that mentoring, and, and I always wonder, do they give you a lot of support, or is it only kind of on the cameras? Well, actually, well, to, to be honest, Louis was, um, so Louis would call in the morning house, so at the start with the four boys category, and honestly, he spent about four hours a day with each each of us, like, you know, because we go into the we go into the room and all this, and then we play the songs that we we thought would work and everything. And then he takes us out. Then, like one night, he took me to the pub and just uh-huh. kind of sat down and just kind of wanted to know my background, my story, which was nice as well because it, it kind of showed he cared as well and just kind of wanted us. You know, he you know, always text us as well during the day to make sure we were relaxed. But so, you know, he went through that process as well. So I suppose he kind of knew how we were feeling. And just the most yeah. important question is: Are you still in touch with him? Like, has he invited you over to his house? For drinks, parties? Oh, <laughs> loads of times. <laughs> yeah, no, um, uh, I, haven't, I haven't really kept in touch, to be honest. No, um, I suppose um, I suppose after after the X Factor, um, you know, he, he went and like, did the whole solo career and released his album then and everything. So, well, Brendan, come here. Yeah. Just WhatsApp us in his number, will you? And we'll ring him now for the crack. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just for like, hey, yeah, it's going on. Louis, old friend. <laughs> yeah, Louis, old pal. We have your delivery here. Cool. Well, listen, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that was uh, an unreal experience to to kind of have um, and to have under your, under your belt. Happy days, you know. Um, it's a, so, mm. some achievements. So many people do it, and then to kind of um, obviously work off the back of that. But what, we, do you know what the crack? We have to ask you. Do you know what the crack is with this evening on poker? face because the amount of people we have brought on this show and then they've been like I've no idea what we're doing now but you, you know the game we're about to play yes I have an idea so I'm gonna try <laughs> I'd try and spook ye or you'd try and, I'd try and spook ye or you'd try and spook me or how yeah something like that now Brendan now <laughs> see the thing about this right is this is I'm in charge of uh, contacting the guests for this uh, feature on the show and I tell okay. them all specifically what's happening and then they come on yeah. and they pretend they have no idea. So, right. Right. we were chatting like now. We? In the works. <laughs> yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, we, that's were, a... we were having a chat. And I'm hoping that you've got three stories for us. Two are true and one is a lie. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we've got to have the first I, hurdle. I don't, have, I don't have a third nipple, but I can, I'll, I'll, see, I'll see how these oh, damn it. turn out. Hang on, we're just trying to find the one third nippled man in Ireland to, yeah. uh, to come yeah, on yeah. Happy Days. I don't know yeah. why Gavin James made that up, but look, he did, and I believed it, and uh, it's not true. Yeah, mine aren't going to be. Uh, okay, I'll I mean, give it a go. go. Grand, <laughs> perfect. Well, listen, glad to hear. Listen, that, that's the first thing we have to get over, do the housekeeping at the start. So listen, uh, Brendan's going to tell you a couple of stories now. If you think you know, uh, three stories, I should say. If you think you know which one is not true, which one he's spoofing you about, just let us know, one, two, or three, to 87 So tell you what, Brendan, will you give us the first thing you have there for us? Okay. Um, I once came third in a talent competition and I thought I won and I started celebrating and I looked like a 
Oscar. <sighs> I've done that before. <laughs> I've done that before. I did that in a dance competition before, years oh, ago. Oh, no. Oh, it's so embarrassing. And oh. I went to walk up to get the trophy, and they're like, no, 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 not you. You gotta sit down. Sorry, yeah. Sasha. Girl behind you. Oh, it's tragic. Wow, Brendan. I, I hope that's true. Anyway, we'll, we'll come back to that in a few moments. It's the first story, all right? Once thought you won a talent competition when you only, in fact, came third. Mortifying, right? What's the second thing? Uh, the second thing, I have a tattoo on my back that says Maiden <laughs> I like that I like that a lot <laughs> Okay Third and final one Third and final one. Oh, the most exciting one I have a birthmark On the back of my right leg Now a super fan Would know about this mm. And they'd know about the tattoo They would, would they actually Would they Yeah maybe you don't show it off no. Would you not have been doing a few like uh, topless ones for the gram and just getting the tattoo out? That'd do really well. <laughs> next week, next week. <laughs> next week, yeah. We've got to schedule out our content for this. Hmm, okay. Uh, 087-679-7104. What's uh, up is in what you think it is. Is it the first, second or third? So the first one was uh, placing third in the talent competition but thinking he'd won and making a fool out of himself. The second one has the tattoo made in Ireland on his back and the third one, the birthmark on the leg. What part of the leg did you say it was again? The uh, left or right? Oh, right, right, yeah. <laughs> the right leg, okay. <laughs> Do you know what? Even though I feel like you hesitated there, don't tell us the answer, by the way, to any of these. I still think the second one is not true. Or the tattoo? Yeah, I don't think that you would have a tattoo, say, made in Ireland on your back. I just don't think it. Why not? No. Why wouldn't he do that? Why wouldn't he be proud of... Galway men are proud of their Irish roots. Culture. I know, but I still just... He brings, I'd, be, listen, I'd be surprised, Brendan. I would. Brendan brings a tricolour on holidays and hangs it out the apartment window. <laughs> and he just has cans beside the pool. And he's all, yeah, on the lads. And now, that's where he got, got the tattoo. I tried to remember here. Did you wear shorts at any stage during uh, your Eurovision video? Uh, I did not. Well... Maybe when I was maybe when I was getting changed in the back seat, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, well, not, this not is on, awkward. Not not on camera, no. <laughs> right. Because I feel I feel like I know that you have yeah. this mark on the back of your leg, even though I don't. Have I you mean, seen I met, him in the nip? Have you? I've only what, seen Brendan awkward. once. What about, what about the tattoo? Yeah. See, I don't think you have a tattoo. I was not looking in the window of your car at the time. I wasn't. I promise. <laughs> right, okay. We'll have to explore why uh, Sirius and Brendan were in the back of a car taking clothes off together. That's a different <laughs> story for a different day this evening. But listen, which story do you not think is true this evening? We're looking for the lie here tonight. Is it the first, second, or third one? The first one, the talent competition, thinking he'd won when he hadn't. The uh, tattoo made in Ireland on the back or the uh, birthmark on the right leg. One, two, or three. Drop us a WhatsApp. 87 right? Uh, Saoirse, you're thinking? I'm going to say the tattoo. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna lock in the tattoo, uh, Brendan. Are you all right to hang on for a couple of moments while we see uh, the answers we're yeah. getting in? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Hang on there, two seconds now, right? And um, we'll have a look at some of the answers to see if anyone is kind of in any way near getting that right. So, which one do you think it is? The first, second, or third one? The competition at school or um, the talent competition where he, he came third, thought he won, the tattoo or the birthmark. One, two, or three. Which one is not true? We're looking for the one that's just not true this evening. FM 104's Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long.
I'm starting now. It's Cormac and Saoirse here in F104. Okay, so we're in the middle of this. Uh, a lot of different answers from a lot of different people. No one, there doesn't seem to be one <coughs> confirmed answer or one answer that people are leaning to. If you've never heard Poker Face before, we bring on a guest and uh, they tell you three things about themselves. If you're able to figure out which one is not true, which one is made up, which is not just uh, complete BS, uh, let us know if you can tell which one it is. There's only one of them out of the three. One, two or three to 0876797104. Joining us on the line now, former hometown star, former uh, representative of Ireland at the Eurovision and uh, placed fifth on the X Factor under the guide of Louis Tomlinson. Uh, Brendan Murray, sir, you're still with us? Yeah, I'm still here, yeah. Excellent, you? excellent, excellent. So, um, listen, before we go on, will you just give us a quick recap again of the three stories that you had for us? Yeah, so the first one was I, I came third in a talent competition and I thought I won it and I started jumping around the place and uh, thought, yeah, I thought I won best and I looked like a fool. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, Second one was uh, I have a tattoo on my back that says Made in Ireland. And the third one was I have a birthmark on my right leg. Okay, mm, so Saoirse, you're going with... I'm going to stick with number two. I think number two is a lie. Yeah, a lot of people are saying two and three. Not many people coming in for one. Um, uh, you see... I'm thinking two or three as well, but I don't know. Is he throwing us? Is he throwing us with the whole story? Maybe he did win it and someone else came third and he's just like doing us that way. So I don't know. But I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to lock in the third story. So I'll say you do not have a birthmark on your leg, that there is a tattoo and you did embarrass yourself then at a talent competition. Right. So before you reveal which one of these stories is not true, two of them are are obviously true. Two of them are, are real. Two of them did actually happen to you. Will you just tell us? one of the stories that is, in fact, 100% true. That is. Okay, so the, the one that is 100% true is I I came third in the talent competition and I thought I won it. Oh, <laughs> I knew it! Yes. Boom, yeah, wow. <laughs> Do explain, how old are you when that happened? Because that's mortifying. Oh, I was, uh, I think I was 13, 13, 14. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was horrendous. Like, people still remind me now of, of it, like, to this day. Still, like, yeah, it's one of my... Yeah, one of my finest moments. Was, was this it in like school? A, yeah, was it in school or in a local talent hall or something? It was. It was actually. It was called Westall Talent. It was a local talent competition in uh, in Galway. Uh, so there was a lot. It was a lot of people there. Like I got, I got to the final, and uh, like it was just what well, was going through my head at first. I thought we were going to call out the winner at the start, and sure. Oh. Third, second, third, second, first, and yeah, they called me out first. I thought I thought I won. So. Now, in yeah. saying that, where's that guy now that came first? Oh, he's uh, probably not. Are, I, I don't know where they are now. Do you remember? <laughs> See, actually, he's actually, on your I'm position. Actually, actually I'm, I'm good friends with one of them. There was a band one, so I better not send them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you turn around and say, uh, John Hosier was his name, actually. I don't think he's doing much. Um, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> right. uh, Was there many people in the room or in the venue? Oh, there was about oh, two, 2,000. Uh, oh, no, proper big. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, it's on, it's on tape there somewhere. Oh, oh no. no, that's yeah, even worse. Yeah. It's a yeah, deep it's burn. Someone's laughing at somewhere now. <laughs> just have it on repeat. That guy who came first just has it on repeat, his moment of fame. <laughs> it's like, ah, yeah, you can yeah. pause it. And the, yeah. how, how did you find out you hadn't won? Um, well, I was, I was on the, I was, I, I, it was a, you know, it was a pure X Factor moment, like I thought I won, and then... Um, your man, I, I had a guitarist with me before and he picked me up like, and then he whispered into my ear, yeah, yeah, you're after coming hard there. 
Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you think at that stage, you'd just be like, do you know what? We have a joint first place here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then oh, I remember my mom, my mom felt bad at the time. And she was like, oh, if anyone's, uh, if anyone's bullying you about it, just say that you were, you were so happy that you came third. <laughs> that's, that's what I said. <laughs> Ah. I'm really happy they're coming third. Uh, <laughs> really, happy, really happy that I came third. Uh, At least you placed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Dear. Oh dear. Right, okay. Mm. Um that that's that's a brilliant one. Love that. So that means um there is either a tattoo on your back or there's a birthmark. One of those isn't true. Don't say it just yet. Um Sarah, are you sticking with two? Yes, I'm gonna stick with two. Are you changing uh, your mind? Uh, no, listen, for, for fairness, not for fairness, just to spread it out a little bit, I would stick with three. Um, so you might as well, listen, Brendan, put us out of our misery this evening. Which one of the stories is not true? Which one's not true? Okay. okay. Do, I get, do I get a drum roll? Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. We'll get you. We'll get, hang on, hang on. He, he loves we'll, this now. We'll, we'll, wait now. We'll just make sure it's all tense. Don't have a drum roll, but we'll, we'll make it uh, nice and tense here before we reveal anything. Brendan Murray. Beautiful. You have two stories left. Can you please now inform us which one of the stories is not true? The story which is not true is the uh, the tattoo on my back is not true. <laughs> Yay! I won! Ah. Oh, I, just, I just love winning. Yeah. Yeah, no, Thank you. Oh, See, I just know Brendan so well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so well at this stage. <laughs> I don't at all, actually. Really. No. So you don't, have a, you don't have a tattoo that says Made in Ireland. Which one of your mates does have a tattoo that says Made in Ireland on the back of them? Oh, nobody. No, I just, no, I just, just came into my head. Yeah. I love <laughs> really? that. The, 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 the lies that people make up that come into yeah. their head are so strange. Mm. Like the third nipple and, and that, and we've had very strange ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, listen, yeah. Well, well done, sir. You're after uh, fooling a hell of a lot of people here this evening. So you do have a birthmark on your leg. On my right leg, I do, yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's really funny. Didn't you stumble on whether which leg it was on? So I kind of thought that might be fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, it's not fake. I, I, just, I thought I'd try and catch you out. Yeah. There you go. It caught me thrown a few different... Uh, Spanners in the work. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Throwing a few diversions yeah, yeah. in place. Well, listen, fair play, sir. There you go. And um, well done if you got that right as well. He does uh, not have a tattoo, but he did embarrass himself at a talent competition and also does have a birthmark on his right leg. Listen, Brendan, we appreciate you giving up your time here this evening now. Uh, before you go, um, anything, any music or singles or albums you're working on at the moment you want to give a quick shout out to? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I released my, uh, yeah, I released single there about last month now and I'm planning another one now for the end of July. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I'm really looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, excited. Um, give us your uh, Instagram or Twitter, best place to grab you. Yeah, you can catch me on Twitter at Brendan underscore M96. You can get me on Facebook, Brendan Murray Music. And on Instagram, you can get me at Brendan Murray 96. Perfect. So listen, go follow him, um, Brandon Murray ninety six, and you get him on Instagram anyway. Brand new music coming out, uh, an unbelievable Irish talent as well, who has represented this good country uh, at the uh, in various different, uh, various different ways and various different platforms. Listen, Brendan, we appreciate you coming on this evening. You're a better liar than uh, we initially thought. But listen, look after yourself, and uh, hopefully <laughs> we'll see you at a guys. performance soon. All right. Absolutely. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate Thanks, Brendan. Bye. Take it easy. Bye. Oh. 
I'm so good at this game. Yeah, I really well am. done. The tide is turning now, Saoirse. I think it you're the is. one who's uh, <laughs> who's uh, who's making it back um, and becoming the more. I was going to say more deceitful one. No, perceptive one would probably be the correct word. So listen, we'll do that again next Tuesday and it's Poker Face still to come on the show. Psychologists explaining why you might feel the urge to reach out and text an ex. Don't do it, put your phone away. And you might even do that if you're in a relationship during lockdown. Apparently our uh, our love lives and our sex lives have completely changed during lockdown. So we'll be talking to a psychologist about that a little after 11. On the way in the next 10 or 15 minutes, a man who contracted the coronavirus, fell into an, into an coma for 12 days, claims he met the devil. And when he came out of it, after he survived, decided to change his entire life around. So he'll be on the way very shortly. We'll have music from Dermot Kennedy as well. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. It's Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104. Remember, you can subscribe to the Room 104 podcast on all of the usual main podcast platforms. Listen back to the full shows in their entirety and also to the specific segments and interviews. So if you missed anything, uh, you can get it back there. So Room 104, Cormac and Saoirse on all the podcast platforms that uh, you usually use. Anyway, still to come on the show as well after 11, a, a gentleman who can explain why you might feel the urge to be texting your exes. Now, speaking of texting Exes. There's something that you can do that can make you appear hotter than and more attractive than you might be. Oh. And I, I will say that it is not. I'm not going to say it's not too new, but uh, kind of they've looked into this. They've done a little bit of a study on it and found that doing this actually does make you appear more attractive to the opposite sex or whatever person you're trying to attract. Is it something physical? No, not really. Not really at all, no. And you've probably done this, we've probably all done this at one stage. And it makes you look more attractive? Um, or look might be the wrong, yeah, perceived as more attractive, yeah, more desirable might be a better word to use. Well, obviously confidence, no? Uh, nope. Hmm. Um... Is it something to do with clothes? Uh, no, so it's nothing to do with your physical appearance. Which oh. makes it slightly more interesting. It's nothing to do with how you look. It is specifically... Well, I'm not going to say specifically, give it away, but it's something, something else. Something else? Is it having good spelling or something? Nope. Because that is a turn on. You know when you're texting someone and <laughs> you're getting to know spelling them. is a turn on. Yeah. If someone can't spell correctly or they, they're using bad um, bad punctua- punctuation, that would be an, a, a turn off for me. Right, yeah. Mm, I'm trying to think of what else it could be. More tra- I'm trying to think what I'd be attracted to, not physically in a person. I guess personality, no? Someone that's funny? It's more, it's, it, it, it's more it's, it's something that you're doing. Oh. Opening a door for someone? Uh, no. Is it something to do with... Now, this might sound really strange, but is, is it something to do with how someone walks or their posture? <laughs> no, it's not. Because you know if someone kind of walks sluggishly? It, it would be... <clears throat> Not, not necessarily seeing them do something. Maybe if you were texting this person or you're messaging them on Tinder or whatever, they're doing something slightly different. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Asking about you? Nope, nope, not asking about you. I've no idea. Well, listen, I'll tell you, it is apparently, there's now scientific evidence to back it up that playing harder to get makes you more attractive and desirable. Playing hard to get? Yeah. Like in what sense? So if you're attracted to someone, act like you don't like them. Um, no, no. so there's a, a little caveat with this. Now. So apparently playing hard to get works with us on whether it's a conscious or an unconscious level as well. The guys who were looking at this said, we all want to date and mate with someone of an equal or a higher status than us. Apparently that's what we look for, right? And we try and get the best deal. So people who are less available initially... Um, we perceive them as being more valuable. It's that whole scarcity principle, you know what I mean? Like the less there is of something, the more valuable it is. And it works on us. And it works on us in dating as well. So if someone isn't constantly, like, constantly replying to you, constantly messaging you, they're playing a little bit hard to get, a little bit aloof. You're going to perceive them as being uh, slightly more valuable, slightly more... Um, desirable than someone who wouldn't be um, and the the opposite would be true as well and they, they've found out that if someone is over eager they come across as as really desperate and that, actually that makes is a so big turn off you know it is actually and that's a conversation I had recently with someone there's a very very good looking guy who was very interested in my friend and she she just stood, she couldn't pinpoint why she didn't like him and it was when I looked at her phone he was writing to her every five minutes yeah that might be it <laughs> But is it? Yeah, no, th- th- this this did say that, right, if you're n- not showing any signs of interest or you're coming across as cocky and arrogant, then it, do- it doesn't really work. Playing hard to get is completely uh, pointless, right? But if you are interested in someone and you have, you know, you can still show signs of interest uh, and, you know... It, you're not blanking people completely. You're still showing signs of interest, but you're not constantly available and constantly me- messaging back and constantly being being on and being overeager and being a bit suffocating. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you're keeping someone interested, but you're also getting on with your own life, and then they're left wondering what you're up to. Yep, yep. Yeah, so this I was think all that would work. 
this was all done via kind of online dating and was looking at the amount of messages people are sending, the time it takes and uh, the overall level of interest. So it's not as if you're not going to be interested in the other person, but you're not, one, going to be revealing everything up front and two, you're not going to be constantly on them, if that makes sense. Do you know what though? I'm wondering is, are people, some people just like that naturally or are people playing a game? I'd say both. Yeah, I'd definitely definitely say both. I think people can learn to be a bit more unavailable. Yeah. Because there's certain people I know and and they can be quite like that and I don't know if if they're doing it purposely because they know that that would be something I would like or are they just naturally like that? I'm sure time will tell because people, the real people will come out after a while. The real you comes out. If you are a needy person and you're trying to play hard to get at the start or, you know, you're kind of playing games. And a mm. year into a relationship, that will all that will all stop and you'll be ringing them 24-7. <laughs> That'll all come crumbling down yeah. and, and you won't know what to do. But but there you go. So uh, don't come on too strong. If there's someone you like, you obviously don't blank them and you obviously don't show no interest. You show a bit of interest. But according to these, you know, you want to be seen and you want to appear to be valuable and and you want to be scarce and you want to be as good a proposition as possible. So making yourself playing playing a little bit hard to get does work and it does make us think that the other person is more desirable than um, someone who is constantly available and constantly texting you. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I think everyone should try and do that. Yeah, yeah, not bad, is it? There's nothing worse than being claustrophobic. <laughs> you can't go, I know. You can't go anywhere. You're like, oh my God, what's going on? Yeah, and just going, just going out for an ice cream is grand. Um, yeah, so, so there you go. Um, on the way next, um, we're going to be chatting to somebody who went to hell. Claims they went to hell, if you believe that stuff. So they're a drummer in a metal band that was touring at this start of the year. And the gentleman, Will, he uh, picked up the coronavirus. And it got so serious that he was admitted to hospital where he was in an, in- an induced coma. And while he was in the 12-day coma, they... Um, he came out of it claiming that he had been to hell and that he had met Satan. And then he decided to completely turn his life around. So Will Carroll, who is a drummer in a Death Angel, the band that was here recently, he's going to be on next telling you about his experience with his coma, with his coronavirus symptoms, and also with what he claims, meeting the devil down in hell and trying to sort his life out after that. That's on the way next here on Room 1. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. It's Cormac and Sergio here. Reminder, you can get the full shows on the uh, Room 104 podcast, Apple Podcast, the usual places where you get them from. Full shows and all the uh, individual interviews and features that we do here on the show this evening. Now, uh, obviously, Corona has been the only thing that has been dom- dominating the news over the last while. Thankfully, our numbers here are going down across the world. They seem to be heading in the right direction as well. But um, someone who has had, uh, who, who had a battle with coronavirus and came out of that battle, thankfully healthier on the other side, but decided to change their life completely. Join us on the line now to talk about his, what's frankly a, a fascinating, intriguing uh, and an amazing story. He's from uh, the band Death Angel. He's a drummer. His name is Will Carroll and he joins us on the line now. Will, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Just uh, hanging out in my home in San Francisco. Uh, feeling good. Is is life anywhere near normal yet over in San Francisco? It's kind of creeping along that way, but it's still it's pre- still pretty shut down. All the shops are still shut down and the restaurants, so it still has a ways to go. Yeah, we're pretty much the same, aren't we? Mm, yeah. Slowly creeping there, but uh, yeah, we're still very much told to stay at home if we can. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same here. So you were one of the, I suppose, unfortunate and unlucky people that you actually contracted um, COVID-19 back in, what, what was it, March? Can you tell us what happened to you? 
I was on tour with uh, Death Angel, and we were uh, touring Europe with two other Bay Area bands, Testament and Exodus. And we actually played Ireland uh, on that tour. It was uh, a lot of fun. And that was my that was my first time to Ireland. The tour was going great. Lots of sold out shows. Everyone was having fun. And then uh, by like the last week or so, people started getting sick. And the last couple days of the tour, I started feeling under the weather. And I don't normally get sick. It's been a long time since I've been ill. So I was a little concerned. But on the flight home is when I really felt terrible and I knew something was something was definitely wrong. And at what point did you know that you had the coronavirus? On the flight home, I started having my uh, suspicions because I just... I had a terrible, uh, terrible fever and breaking out in cold sweats, and I couldn't taste anything, and I had a loss of appetite, and just everything was uh, was failing. <laughs> and as soon as I got home, uh, my fiance was like, "Wow, you look terrible," and she knew something was wrong. So it was around that time I uh, I figured I might have it, but I didn't know for sure until I got rushed to the hospital a few days later. My fever was so out of out of control. And I was barely eating, and so my fiance took me to the hospital, and that's when they tested me, and I was positive, and they had put me into a coma and try all kinds of experimental methods to keep me keep me alive. So you're literally fighting for your life. Yeah, yeah, I was in a coma for uh, 12 days. And like I said, I was one of the first, if not the first, at that hospital to try some of these experimental drugs and procedures. So they were kind of uh, throwing caution to the wind a little bit. They they didn't know much about the, the virus at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, they were just doing whatever they could and obviously had the right combination because uh, I survived. They were pretty surprised I survived as well because I had heart failure during the coma. Jeez. And uh, a lot of things working against me. So when I did come come to, they were pretty surprised and, and very happy. And there was lots of doctors and nurses gathering around just to see for themselves that I actually uh, beat it. <laughs> God, and that's insane. 12 days in a coma from this. Because, I mean, I, I still think we have a habit of kind of brushing it off, kind of going, ah, it's not that bad. And I know, you know, case numbers are dropping around the world. But obviously here in your story, 12 days in an induced coma, heart failure, nothing obviously to, to be laughed at. But what, what obviously caught our attention was, was stuff that you were sharing about was, you know, what you were experiencing and dreaming during your coma. Was it true that you were having dreams of being brought to hell? It seemed so real at the time, you know, uh, and like they're they're still pretty uh, pretty fresh in my memory. Like I can remember every detail, but yeah, like I just I had a vision of going down into a dark place, which I perceived as hell. Lots of people moaning in agony, and there was a woman sitting in a throne who I who I uh, equated with the Satan. She was very unpleasant, <laughs> and um, I was being punished for sloth. A lot of vivid visions of that. I also shot up to heaven, too, after that. After being in hell for a while, I shot up to heaven, and heaven was a scary place as well in my dream. So the whole thing was pretty uh, pretty terrifying. And has that kind of episode changed your views and your beliefs when you've come the other side of the coronavirus? Well, I never really believed in the power of prayer, but uh, so many people around the world uh, were rallying behind me and sending my fiance their their well wishes and their prayers and people lighting candles for me and things of that nature. Uh, I never believed in any of that stuff before. So on that level, I, I do believe in the, the power of like, collective positive energy and just the, the power of prayer. I do believe in that. I mean, obviously the scientific end helps me out a huge amount as well, but I do believe that the, everyone's prayers really played a part in it as well. So I do uh, believe in that now. 
I'm not going to become a hardcore Christian now or anything and go to church all the time or anything, but I do believe there is a higher power out there, and I, that's not something I ever really considered before. So I'm not quite sure where I'm going to go uh, spiritually with this, but I do believe in, in, in that world now, for sure. Uh, yeah, so when, when you say you know, you've opened your eyes to this, is it... I can't imagine it's a beardy man at the pearly gates, or is it something, again, completely different that you're trying to figure out? A lot of people have visions of demons and stuff when they're induced coma. I've been reading up on that, so a lot of other people have had this experience as, as I have, so that's what I'm trying to figure out, is if, uh, if it was a sign or if it was just uh, it was all the drugs in my system just making my brain act in a very bizarre way. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. I was I had a big interest in uh, in the darker things in life before this happened, and I wasn't I wasn't like a full on like devil worshiper or anything like that, <laughs> but uh, I did have an interest in, in a lot of that stuff, and I'm still interested in it, but I'm not going to be as actively pursuing it <laughs> as I used to. I definitely am taking this. I'm definitely taking this as a warning. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah, I'm not going to take it too lightly. It is actually terrifying to, you know, to get to that level. And I wonder if it was the fact that you were in an induced coma that you had all these horrible nightmares. Like you didn't think for a second that this was real. I mean, for my memory, it it seemed like it was totally real when it was happening to the point where uh, when I did come to, when I snapped out of the coma, I didn't remember going to the hospital either. Like the last couple of days of being at home, are a complete blur to me. I just don't remember anything. So I don't remember getting rushed to the hospital. I don't remember being at the hospital. So when I woke up and I was in a hospital bed, it was kind of a, a shock to me. And having machines all around me and tubes in and out of me, I was really shocked and confused. And there was a nurse standing right there. And the first words out of my mouth were, uh, am I still in hell? So that's how oh, real it seems, you know. I had that question asked for before going, am I still in hell? You're like, listen, I know the facilities aren't 100%, but listen, they're, they're not that bad. How does your kind of daily life now change before the induced hell coma to afterwards? Like what changes have you made in your lifestyle? It has nothing to do with the visions, but just, just getting being so sick and getting so sick. I, I've quit smoking anything at, at all uh, just because my lungs took a, a thrashing during mm. this whole thing. Since the last couple of days of the tour, which is back in March, I, I was a heavy drinker. I was drinking a whole bottle of Jameson a night. So that, that's not going to be permanent. I, I plan on having a drink here or there, but for the time being, I'm not drinking at all. I'm eating much healthier. No more processed food or fast food. I've cut out salt pretty much in my diet. And I'm just being more active. I'm going on walks every day. I've lost 40 pounds since this happened. So I'm definitely trying to live a healthier lifestyle for sure. Yeah, you probably wouldn't have done that if you hadn't have gone through such a terrible... You're you're probably right. I probably would have stayed the course and who knows what could have happened. (laughs) So... Uh, this isn't the easiest way to lose 40 pounds, but it happens. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be on some late-night infomercial for, you know, the coronavirus diet going, you just need 12 days in a hell-induced coma. This is exactly what we need. Um, w- yeah, listen, right. <laughs> well, we we are glad to hear that he obviously made it through to the other side and that uh, now instead of having a bottle of Jemison beside your drum kit, it's going to be a kale smoothie at the next Dublin gig. We'll see you <laughs> chugging back. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling great uh, going on walks every day. Like when I got out of the coma, I had to learn how to walk again. Yeah, 12 days of uh, inactivity is, is enough to, to, to wreck your legs and wreck your muscles. My muscles were, were, were seriously damaged and like had waned away. And like I hear of people being in comas for years. I could only imagine what their body must go through. Like I was only in it for 12 days and I couldn't walk. I had to. I had to bring a walker home with me, and I was on a walker for first, like, almost week I was home. And then just doing all the physical therapy, stepping exercises, going up and down my stairs. It took, like, three weeks for me to be able to walk properly again. So wow. atrophy does, yeah, atrophy kicks in pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm walking every day. I'm back to drumming. I've been drumming for the last week and a half, and that's going well. Everything's moving forward. Good. Well, we're glad to hear that you're on the mend and you've adapted a healthier lifestyle. Thank you. Well, listen, uh, next time you're back over gigging, when the world comes back to some sort of normality, uh, give us a shout. We'll, we'll give you the tour uh, around the station uh, whenever we're back to normal. But listen, Will Carroll, drummer for Death Angel, thanks a million for popping on. And listen, look after yourself. Thank you very much. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.